Hello. Welcome to the incomplete works of Shakespeare. King Lear, Chapter 2, Let Go the Wheel. Let go thy hold when a great wheel runs down the hill, lest it break thy neck with following it. Edmund, illegitimate son of the Duke of Gloucester and plotter extraordinaire, sat in the court of his father's castle. Sitting there with his scheming thoughts, his reverie was disturbed by Curran, a courtier. He informed the Duke's son that the Duke of Cornwall and his wife Regan were visiting that night, and there was tension brewing between Cornwall and Goneril's husband, the Duke of Albany. Edmund was pleased to hear the news, and decided he needed to put a couple more elements of his plan into action. He called out to his brother, who was elsewhere in the castle. Edgar arrived quickly. "'Brother,' said Edmund, "'run from here as fast as you can. Our father knows you're here.' I hope you haven't said anything bad about the Duke of Cornwall, all about Albany. Cornwall's on his way here with Regan. I'm sure I haven't, replied a clueless, confused Edgar. Wait, shouted Edmund. I hear our father approaching. I must pretend to be attacking you. Pretend to defend yourself and then run, brother, run. Both drew their swords and pretended to fight, and then Edgar ran. Edmund, craftily scheming, cut his own arm with his sword. When Gloucester entered the court, Edmund told his father that Edgar had wounded him. Gloucester sent some servants to try and find his supposedly rebellious son, while Edmund plunged the metaphorical knife in further. He tried to persuade me to join him in killing you, dear father. When I refused, he attacked me. When he saw I was prepared to fight, he ran off. Gloucester replied decisively, He'll be caught, and when he's caught, he will be executed. The Duke of Cornwall, lord of half the kingdom, arrives tonight... On his authority, I will declare that whoever finds Edgar and brings the murderous coward to the stake will be graciously rewarded. Edmund went for the final convincer. He thinks you will believe his word over mine, believe that he is not a villain. But no, countered Gloucester triumphantly, waving the epistle he had taken from Edmund earlier. He cannot deny this letter. The ports will be closed and I'll send his picture everywhere. And hark, I hear the trumpets heralding the arrival of our master and mistress. Not thirty seconds later, Cornwall and Regan strode into the court with their retinue. The Duke greeted Gloucester warmly, but then announced he had heard rumours of treachery. When Gloucester explained the situation, Regan was clear what needed to happen. No punishment would be harsh enough for this criminal. He's friends with those awful knights that attend my father, you know. I expect they had a bad influence on him. My sister has written to me telling me of their vile behaviour. That's why we are here. I don't want this motley crew in my house. Gloucester turned to his son. Edmund, you are the hero here. You have been wounded in protecting me. You are a fine man, said Cornwall. I could do with men like you working for me. Edmund bowed. I will always be loyal to you, sir. Cornwall nodded and then turned to Gloucester. Feel free to use my authority in capturing him, using whatever means necessary. Right, said Regan. Now for the other reason we're here. Both my father and my sister have written to me telling me how they fell out. I need your advice, noble Gloucester, and I thought it would be easier to deal with the situation from here, as I can just send their messengers back with my replies. As this conversation was going on, the disguised Duke of Kent and Goneril's servant Oswald arrived at the castle still bickering. Kent, being the more educated of the two, got the better of the verbal exchange, calling Oswald a proud, shallow, lily-livered, brown-nosing third-rate servant, among other choice insults. The row culminated in Kent drawing his sword and demanding that Oswald do the same.
Fight, peasant, rogue, stay and fight. Help, murder, shrieked the servant. The shout drew the attention of the party in the court, and Edmund, Gloucester, Cornwall and Regan and the servants rushed in to see what was going on. What is going on here? demanded Edmund. Come here, replied Kent, I'll take you on too. Weapons? What's the matter here? demanded Gloucester. Kent continued to insult Oswald, eventually comparing him to the letter Z, that wholly unnecessary letter. When Cornwall demanded to know why he had such a problem with Goneril's servant, he told the Duke that Oswald was totally lacking in honour and shouldn't be wearing a sword like a gentleman. He couldn't, he said, hate the man any more than he actually did. Are you insane? demanded Cornwall. I don't like his face. Well, maybe you don't like mine either, nor his, nor hers. Kent boldly replied, I like to be plain and I have to say that I have seen better faces in my time. Cornwall reprimanded the disguised lord and was utterly gobsmacked that the messenger, as that was Kent's disguise, mocked him in return. Oswald told the tale of being hit by King Lear and Kent tripping him. Cornwall's had enough. He called for the stocks to be brought out and the plain-speaking, undercover Earl of Kent was locked inside them, despite Gloucester's protests and Kent reminding Cornwall that he served the king. That just showed how poor Lear mattered so little in his kingdom now. Leave him there till noon, commanded Regan. No, till night. No, all night. The visitors and Edmund left, Kent imprisoned in the stocks, and only Gloucester stayed behind. I'm sorry, my friend. The Duke will not be snubbed and will not be moved from his decision. I will try talking to him, though. No need, replied the messenger. I'll get some sleep, and then I'll whistle to pass the time and keep myself amused. Have a good morning. Still, I'll try, said Gloucester as he left. Kent took out a letter, commenting to himself as he watched his old friend go. Good King Lear, see how everything goes bad. When the warm sun comes, I will read this letter. It is from your true daughter, Cordelia, who in this guise I am serving. She will do her best to make your situation better. She shall find time from this enormous state, seeking to give losses their remedies. And now, time to sleep. And with that, remarkably, the disguised Earl of Kent, messenger of the king, servant of the good Cordelia, stroppy hero, fell asleep. On the heath away from his father's castle, Edgar was also in disguise. Knowing that there were soldiers out looking for him, and that every port would be on guard looking for his escape, he donned the clothes and filth of a beggar, verging on insanity. His hair was matted and tangled, and he wore just a tatty loincloth. For, as he said himself, as Edgar, he was now nothing. King Lear and his entourage, still consisting of a hundred knights, arrived at Gloucester's castle to be met by the sight of the disguised Earl of Kent in the stocks. Lear, still thinking that the Earl was his messenger, was utterly outraged. He demanded to know exactly what was going on. When Kent informed him that Cornwall and Regan had imprisoned him in this uncomfortable outdoor prison, giving the full story of his spat with Oswald, Lear was infuriated to the point of madness. Lear's fool mocked him for his stupidity yet again. Lear screamed, Hysteria is welling up inside me! Where is this daughter of mine? And went off to find the offending lady. So, did you do nothing more to get yourself trapped here? The fool asked Kent. No. Why has the king arrived with a smaller party? The fool smiled. If they put you in the stocks for that question, you did well deserve it. Kent looked puzzled, and the fool continued. You are fighting against the tide. 
When an ant reaches wither, he knows there is no point in hard work, just as it is a fool's errand that you continue to serve the king. Let go thy hold when a great wheel runs down the hill, lest it break thy neck with following it. But when one goes up the hill, let it draw you up. He then sang a song about misplaced loyalty. Where did you learn that song? asked Kent. Not in the stocks, fool, replied the fool. The fool, wiser than any, was right. All semblance of power was being ripped away from the old man. It was driving Liam mad, and no amount of loyalty or support was seemingly able to reverse the tide. Inside the castle, Lear received the same treatment from Cornwall and Regan as he had from Goneril. They claimed they were ill and refused to see him. Lear was incandescent as he left and returned to the Shackles Kent. He raged at Gloucester, telling him to demand that they see him. Vengeance, plague, death, confusion, fiery Gloucester, I will speak with the Duke of Cornwall and his wife. After a lot more raging, Gloucester re-entered the castle, returning before too long with Regan and the Duke of Cornwall. Good morrow to you both, said Lear, as politely as he could manage. Hail to your grace, said Cornwall, and set the disguised Kent free. I am glad to see you, your highness, replied Regan smarmily. Ah, I'm glad to hear it, and I believe it. Your sister is naught. Her sharp-tooth unkindness has ripped me like a vulture. He gesticulated towards his heart. I find it hard to speak how horribly she has behaved. Oh, Regan! If he was hoping for words of comfort, Lear was about to be very disappointed. His middle daughter spoke words he did not want to hear. I think it more likely you have misunderstood my sister. She is not one to forsake her duty. If she has restrained your boisterous nights, then that seems reasonable and not a cause for blame. My curse is upon her, raged Lear. Oh, sir, you are old, said Regan patronisingly. You are aged and should be ruled and led by others who know what is best for you. I pray, sir, that you return to my sister's house and tell her you have wronged her. What? Ask for forgiveness? No, I am old, yes, and I beg you on my knees that you will give me food and a bed. Stop this unsightly behaviour, said Regan, and return to my sister. Leah was confounded. Never, Regan, never. She's insulted me and wants to take half of my knights. May all the vengeances of heaven fall on her ungrateful person and her serpent-like tongue. I hope lightning strikes her and fen-sucked fog causes her skin to blister. And will you wish this on me when the mood takes you? asked Regan. No, Regan, you will never have my curse. Your eyes are comforting, hers are fierce. You will not take my knights or anything else from me like she does. You have half my kingdom and you know your responsibilities. Trumpets were heard heralding some new arrivals. Cornwall asked who was approaching. The question was quickly answered when Oswald strode up to the party. Ah, my sister will be here soon, said Regan. Who stopped my servant, Regan? demanded Lear. Lear's inquisition was quickly ended with the arrival of Goneril. Aren't you ashamed to look at this beard? raged Lear at his eldest daughter, and then woefully to his next child. Oh, Regan, do you take her by the hand? Why shouldn't she? asked Goneril. What have I done to you? Oh, my grieving heart, wailed the old man. And how did my man end up in the stocks? I sent him there and he richly deserved it, said Cornwall. You? Regan stepped in. Please, father, you are weak. You will return with my sister for the remainder of this month. You will dismiss half your train. I am away from home and cannot support you at the moment. 
Return to her? No, I'd rather live on the streets. I may as well go to France and beg the king who took my youngest born. Beg him for a small pension. Oh, up to you, sir, said Goneril. Oh, I won't bother you. You are my flesh and blood, or maybe you are a disease. You are a boil, an embossed carbuncle in my corrupted blood. I will not punish you, but shame will come to you when it will. I'll wait patiently for you to mend. I will stay with Regan and my hundred knights. It was Regan who replied. Be reasonable, father. I am not ready for you. Listen to her. She knows what she's doing. You mean this? inquired the incredulous Lear. Fifty knights must be enough for you. More may rebel. Yes, chipped in Goneril. And why could you not be served by my staff or Regan's? And then Regan really plunged in the knife. Yes, and then if they didn't do their jobs properly, we could manage them. As for the knights, if you come to stay at my house, you will bring no more than twenty-five. I will give shelter to no more. But I gave you everything. Regan was unmoved, and not before time. Leah shook with fury. When I made you my protectors and let you rule my kingdom, the deal was that I kept a hundred knights. Why should I make do with twenty-five? You seem worse than your sister. Goneril, I will return to you fifty, because fifty is double twenty-five. Your love must be double hers. Why do you need twenty-five knights? Why ten or five? asked Goneril, when there are so many people in our households to serve you. Regan agreed. Why do you even need one? Need? Need? I would be no better than an animal if I were not to have things I didn't need. Your clothes are fine and stately. You don't need them to keep warm. God, let me not cry. You unnatural hags, I will have such revenge on you both. I don't know yet the nature of my revenge, but it will be the terror of the earth. I have cause to weep, but my heart will break into a hundred thousand pieces before I do. Oh fool, I shall go mad. Just at that moment, quite fittingly, a raging storm broke out, matching the madness and rage of King Lear perfectly. Lear, Gloucester and the fool left for cover. The sisters watched him leave. This house is too small for the old man and his people, mused Regan. It's his own fault that he's so worked up, said Goneril. I'll have him at my house without any knights, said Regan firmly. Mm-hmm. I'll do the same, agreed her sister. The Earl of Gloucester returned and informed the sisters that Lear was leaving, but he, Gloucester, didn't know where he was going. Cornwall and Goneril told him not to try and stop the old king from departing. As the party made their way inside to receive the shelter that Lear would not enjoy, Regan showed her supposedly daughterly love and duty for what it really was. Willful men will only be taught by the injuries they bring upon themselves. He will suffer the consequences of his own actions. Lock the doors. His attendants are a desperate and violent lot and they may goad him into who knows what in his unhinged state. Next time, we'll see what happens to Lear in his unhinged state. If you like the podcast, then please go to my website, www.mythandhistory.co.uk. There you will find a number of things, including the dramatis personae, or the characters, in this play. Also on the website are donation buttons. This podcast is and will continue to remain free. But any donations to help with hosting costs really are very gratefully received. Anyone who donates $10 or more will get copies on PDF version of my ebooks, The Myths of Ancient Greece, The History of Ancient Greece, and The Legends of King Arthur and His Knights.
So, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time.